Welcome to Vineyard Hopkinton. As we follow Jesus together, we experience the Holy Spirit, create a multicultural community, and pursue kingdom of God justice. So today we're going to look at... um a really long conversation, actually, that Jesus has with uh, an unnamed woman. And this woman, she's really very much like uh, 2,000 years ago, Middle Eastern or woman. So much of her context is really shaped by that. But also, I think she's like incredibly modern. Um, I think she really speaks to us spiritually in a, a kind of prophetic way for us today. Um, so much of her situation um, is very modern. She's isolated. A lot of us coming out of COVID uh, are, are feeling some isolation, though. As I've, I've read about stuff, a lot of commentators say that what COVID did was it just sped up what would have taken maybe 10 years into, into two, two years. Friendships are on the decline. Students, uh, teenagers are having less friends than, than before. So she's isolated. The religious establishment has failed her. You know, we see all around us people who are saying that the religious establishment has failed them. Maybe they've seen some, um, you know, failings, hypocrisies. Maybe they just came with deep hurt and pain. The church didn't have the answers that they wanted and they needed at that point in time. The church has, the religious establishment has failed her. And she has a lot of spiritual needs, but she thinks they're, they're physical. You know, so many people think about people around, think about yourself. You got needs. And you're like, you know what, what I need, what I need is a good vacation. No, it's not. What you need is soul rest. What you need is good ba- boundaries. She has a lot of needs, but she thinks they're different from how they actually are. So this is an unprecedentedly long dialogue. Like, they keep talking. This is like Barbara Walters, like, in-depth. We have a front row seat to it. And guys, our lives are an unprecedentedly long dialogue with Jesus. He just keeps speaking with us. And this is a conversation that you can only have with Jesus. There are some conversations that you can only have with Jesus. So let's pray, and then we're going to dig into our scripture passage. Jesus, we thank you that this morning you're just delighted to see us. I really think that's true this morning, that you're delighted to see us, that you love us, that you have good things for us, and you want to speak truth and clarity to our hearts in the midst of every noise and distraction. Jesus, I say, come, speak truth and life to my heart in ways that only you can. And we're here today because we believe that you can speak truth and life to us in ways that no one else can. So we open our hearts and our minds to you, to your word, and claim your word as, your, as our authority in our, our lives. Come, Holy Spirit, speak to us, change our hearts, change our minds, change our lives. Bring us your joy, your peace, your salvation today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, well, let's open up to John chapter 4. As John recounts the life of Jesus, as he remembers all the things, John and Jesus were real close. They they were real tight. And he's written down this whole account. We come to this uh, this story that uh, John obviously remembers like really like vividly from the beginning of his time following Jesus. So Jesus left Judea and returned to Galilee. 
He had to go through Samaria on the way. Let's pause right there for a minute because actually he kind of didn't have to go through Samaria. Like, wait, what? Is the Bible lying? Well, geographically, he didn't have to go through Samaria. Jewish men, Jewish people all the time went around Samaria. That was perfectly possible. Geographically, he didn't have to go through Samaria to fulfill the plan of God, though. He had to go through Samaria. You see, Samaritans were, we would now call them like a sect of Judaism, um, but um, Samaritans and Jewish people did not get along well. There was a lot of hostility, animosity, real, real cultural differences, and a lot of bad blood between them. But he went through Samaria because he had to. Eventually, he came to the Samaritan village of Sychar, near the field that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well at noontime. Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water. This is the wrong time to be drawing water, woman. Like the heat of the day, everyone would have drawn water early on, taking your walk in the cool of the day. All the women would have been, not her. She's so isolated that she goes by herself at the worst time. Jesus said to her, please give me a drink. He was alone at that time because his disciples had gone to the village to buy some food. This is behavior they would not have approved of, so he had to wait till they, they were gone to talk to her. The woman was surprised, for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, you are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? Jesus replied, if you only knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me, and I would give you living water. Wow, this encounter is getting more and more surprising. But sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket, she said, and this well is very deep. Where would you get this living water from? And besides, do you think that you're greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than, than Jacob and his sons and animals enjoyed? Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water, anyone who drinks the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Please, sir, the woman said, give me this water. Then I'll never be thirsty again. I won't have to come here to get water. You know, God is meeting her in her place of need. I think she thinks her need is uh, indoor plumbing. But she had openness. She had receptivity. And that counts for so, so much Go and get your husband, Jesus told her. Don't have a husband, the woman replied. Jesus said, you're right, you don't have a husband, for you have had five husbands, and you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. You certainly spoke the truth. Her intimacies, her failings, her greatest sins and greatest hurts and disappointments. Sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet. 
So tell me, why is it that you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place of worship while we Samaritans claim that it is here at Mount Gerizim where our ancestors worshiped? This is a little religious di- diversion. It's like he's looking into her soul and she's truly being loved for the first time. And she's like, whoo, let's back it up. Just give me a little like religious piety to perform. Jesus replied, believe me, dear woman, the time is coming when it will no longer matter whether you worship the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans know very little about the one you worship, while we Jews know all about him, for salvation comes through the Jews. But the time is coming, indeed, and now is here, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father's looking for those who will worship him that way. For God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know the Messiah is coming, the one who is called Christ. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus told her, I am the Messiah. As Jesus removes every barrier of like hiding and shame of social ostracization, he just, he brings that religious mountain to her doorstep, to, to her kitchen sink. And he says, I am he. I am the Messiah. The word of the Lord. Amen. Well, I love this story. Uh, it actually keeps going for much longer. I wanted to read all 48 verses But this passage is really focused on two themes, the gift of God, living water, and the identity of Jesus. Who exactly is this guy talking to her here? The gift of God, a good gift. You know, there are um, many gifts that, you know, I can imagine on my wish list that, you know, if my husband gave me, I would love, be very excited about, super happy about, but also at the same time, If one of you gave me that exact same gift, you know, it might be a little weird. You know, the the drawings that that my daughter gives me, super cute, you know, I love them. If one of you gave me a a crayon drawing, you know, maybe Rob should talk to you. Not not me, but maybe, maybe Rob should talk to you. You know, there are certain gifts, family heirlooms, meaningful antiques, things that have been passed down through generations. There are certain gifts that that are gifts of great significance because of the the giver. It's perfect and meaningful and can be life-changing, but a good gift comes from the right uh, uh, giver. Have you all had any good gifts? The giver mattered, right? I've gotten some good gifts from you, Sue. The giver matters. It's perfect and meaningful and can be life-changing. The gift of God from God completes your life. It's not purpose from your boss. It's not love from a person. It's from God. And that changes everything. This woman had been trying to get the good stuff from the wrong places. And like one of those fake handbags, it does not stand the test of time. Believe me, I like pretty things. I bought those rings that like start changing your finger colors after like a day or two. I know what I'm talking about. Fake gifts will wear down and wear you out. Hope from the world 
will be high maintenance and precarious joy from the world will be exhausting and most likely expensive. Good gifts come from the right giver. And man, God is a generous giver. He gives uh, expensively and way beyond. I mean, we think it was just, you know, ask him, please, pretty please for the... God is ridiculously generous. Have you asked him? Really asked him? Gone to him first and just said, please. God is a generous giver, shockingly generous. You know, as this passage that we've read so far concludes with like all these like religious questions summarized with, Jesus says, the time is coming and now is when true worshipers will worship in spirit and in truth. Spirit and in truth. It's a little bit of a different phraseology. What exactly does this mean? Jesus said that the gift of God was living water. In verse 14, Jesus says, you know, whoever drinks this water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water, living water, welling up to eternal life. Beautiful, still about water, like what what specifically? Um, If we keep reading, it will become very, very clear. This isn't just one part. It's John is the whole story he remembers of, of Jesus' life. Um, in chapter 7, Jesus was in Jerusalem. Many people were beginning to speculate about maybe him being the Messiah. Um, in John 7, Jesus says, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Again, Jesus ties his own identity to this idea of receiving living water. Um, and as he says in verse 39, now this, is, now this he said about the Spirit, whom those who were to believe in him were to, going to receive. For as yet the Spirit had not yet been given, because Jesus had not yet been, been glorified. The living water is the Holy Spirit who Jesus gives, gives freely, gives refreshingly, gives in abundance to those who believe in him. That's his good gift for us. That's living water for our thirsty souls. That's what God gives us is the Holy Spirit. The Spirit is the gift of God. And we worship in spirit and in truth. In spirit and in truth. So what what truth are we specifically talking about? Well, what they're talking about here for truth, the, the whole thing they're discussing is the truth of Jesus's identity. She says, you know, are you greater than, than Jacob? How are you measuring up against our, our past faith here? It's like, Jesus, sir, you must be a prophet. He's a prophet, priest, and, and king. Uh, she said, well, the Messiah will tell us the truth. I am he. The truth is is Jesus. Um, on the day of Pentecost, after Jesus has died, resurrected, he's you know, shown to people and the, the disciples all gather together w- without him and they're praying and the Holy Spirit comes and, and, and descends on them. The Spirit was poured out on Jesus's followers, on those who were baptized in the name of Jesus. And soon after this, uh, uh, the truth of Jesus would spread throughout Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. 
And we would see with that a coming of the Holy Spirit. When the truth of Jesus is shared, the Holy Spirit uh, comes. And we'll see also as the church con- continues that that broke down barriers of class, race, gender, as the truth and, and the Spirit of Jesus spread in the early church. Worshiping in spirit. God is spirit. You know, God is a spiritual being. That's fairly, you know, obvious. But God gives the Holy Spirit. He gives of himself as he's been doing from the very beginning. He gives of himself, of the Spirit. That's living water for us. And worshiping in truth is the truth, the reality of who God is, which is shown most conclusively in who Jesus is. That's the truth. That's the center of reality. And you know, we must have both. If we just have truth, I think we're sort of familiar where, with where that leads. That leads to, you know, legalism and just right and wrong. And uh, we, we need spirit. We need that life-giving force of relationship and, and, and love and God coming close. But we have to have both. Otherwise, it's a, a la-la land of, of wishful thinking. We must have this closeness of the Holy Spirit in the good boundaries of, of truth and reality, grounding ourselves in what's actually real about ourselves and the world uh, and the universe that God has created. Spirit and truth. And Jesus, Jesus is both. Jesus is fully God and fully man, the mystery, the miracle of the incarnation. He is fully spirit and fully truth in and of himself. You know, John the Baptist, he had an amazing experience with Jesus. He baptized Jesus at the very beginning and saw the heavens open and the Spirit of God descend on, on, on Jesus. And then Jesus goes off and starts his, his ministry with his disciples. And a little while later, John the Baptist sends his people to talk to Jesus's people. And he says, you know, no offense, guys, but like, is Jesus really the Messiah or should I be waiting for someone else still? You know, It was a reasonable question because Jesus was not looking like they thought Jesus was supposed to look like for the Messiah. And when the disciples who had been through so much with Jesus, seen so many miracles, Jesus has died and resurrected. They're walking on the road to Emmaus and they say, you know, it's really kind of a bummer. We had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. It was understandable. Because it did not work out like they thought it was going to work out. Jesus is true religion. He is the full revelation of God. But look at him here. It was not looking like anyone expected. When we find spirit and truth together, it's different than how we expect. The first noticeable, the first really big difference I think Jesus makes is he breaks down barriers. Look at how he breaks down barriers here. The first barrier is that of gender. Jesus empowered women and called women from the very beginning. Martha, Mary, integral to his ministry. Uh, The the first person who, who knew the full gospel was Mary, the first person to see him alive. The resurrection was Mary. She was sent as really the first preacher of the gospel to then go back and and tell the men that that Jesus did not stay dead. He was alive and resurrected. 
the barrier of ethnicity and, and cultural differences. And I think sometimes we've got to have eyes to see this one because we read about Jews and Samaritans. And you know what, like, for most of us, it's all different, right? Like, Middle Eastern Jews, that's different. Samaritans, that's different. Maybe they should get along. It's both different from us. We have to have eyes to see this. And Jesus, he took that jar of water from her and drunk from it. He wasn't even supposed to, he wasn't supposed to be six feet apart. Social distancing would have been like too close for a comfort. He took that jar and drank from it, put his lips to that. You know, if any of you here have yummy morning beverages you would like to, to share with me, a cup of warm tea perhaps, uh, you're like, no thanks, that's a barrier we don't cross. That's not a fraction of the barrier that Jesus crossed. The barrier of her, her, uh, her lack of understanding. You know, he's talking about these big things, you know, uh, uh, this encounter with God and you can experience the Holy Spirit and like come to church. She's like, well, maybe if they have free coffee, I guess, you know, I could roll out of bed a little earlier. Like, it doesn't matter. He just like obliterates uh, this barrier past sins. You know, villages were smaller back in the day. Villages were like 100, 200, like basically the size of our church community combined if there was someone here who had slept with six men here, all the men are like, oh, it, it wouldn't be me. It wouldn't be me. Sit, like, it might be a little uncomfortable for that individual. I'm sure we'd all try and be nice. But like, you know, he, he just, yeah, that barrier doesn't stand in front of Jesus. Religious obstacles well, you know, she's a Samaritan and that's different, you know. Would she even be interested? And like, I'm sure like, you know, it's just, it's a lot to ask. Jesus breaks these barriers. And honestly, they just don't even stand a chance in light of his goodness and love and grace. Jesus breaks these barriers to show us what God is really like. What God is really like. And it shows us that no one will judge us less than Jesus. You're like, oh, no, 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 Sarah, that can't be right. Like, I have friends who are, like, super open-minded. They don't judge anyone for anything. That's not true. You just haven't tried the right things. You've stuck to this certain, you know, uh, a menu item. Like, you haven't tried something over here. They'll judge you say, oh, well, you know, God will judge everyone. That's very true. And we are very accountable to Jesus, and he will judge us, all of us, one day. But look at Jesus. Everyone else judged her in very understandable ways, maybe. Jesus sat down and talked with her and loved her and saw the best in her. You know, sometimes people will say to me, um, let me like, you know, Sarah, Maybe this because, you know, I'm a pastor. So they're like, Sarah, this is really going to shock you. You're, not, you're just not even going to believe this. And you know what? Usually it's just not quite as, as, as shocking as people think it's going to be. There's something about sin. You know, the Bible says there's nothing new under the sun. Our sin is sad and tragic. 
It's not always as, uh, as original as we think it is. You know, we don't want to normalize sin because happiness and holiness go together like peanut butter and jelly, right? That's, that's what we're aiming for. Jesus was without sin. He was always loving, never greedy, always patient, never self-promoting. Jesus was not deterred by sin or or off-put by sin or like offended or grossed out by, by sin, probably because he just dealt with it. He went into the temple turned over the, the tables of the, the moneylenders. He gave the Pharisees very clear ultimatums. And he died taking on the, the, the worst of sin and evil and death and oppression and injustice. And he dealt with it in his death and in his resurrection. I just love how Jesus speaks to her and says, hey, call your husband. Yep, that is correct. You've had five husbands. How, just, how he names it. You know, and I think about the times where Jesus has just really spoke conviction to my heart. And honestly, it sounds pretty similar. Sarah, are you telling the whole truth there? It's just clear. Like, oh, oh, Jesus, let me make that right. Oh, I'm so sorry. He just speaks so kindly and so clearly. You know, I think of... um. A number of years ago, I was part of this uh, working group, this cohort, and um, you know, I went in with like you know big plans of who I was going to you know connect with and and everything like this. And uh, there's a lot of people to get to know at the beginning. And um, you know, one guy was just you know quiet. I was like, you know, I I won't I won't connect with him probably. And um, and I was praying, and God just spoke really quiet to my heart. I'm like, and it was just like it was a um, kind of like a spotlight of love. Sarah, you underestimated, discounted, counted out. But it's just like a spotlight of love on this one person. I was like, you're right. I did just like say, oh, no, not, not him. I'll go for, you know, these other people. You know, when you go into a no, new social situation, sometimes you're like kind of checking, checking it out. And um, it was just so clear, so convicting. I was like, you're right, God. So then I, I took some time, um, got got to know him a little bit more and um, super beneficial and um, helpful um, was a very like important uh, relationship in my life. It was just so calm and so clear. It was a spotlight of love. Um, That's how Jesus speaks conviction to us. It's clear. It's clear. And it's an invitation. You know, I can get into cycles of worry, frustration, uh, uh, complaint, and not actually dealing with it. You know, I'll be talking to my coach, and, um, you know, I have a lot of support in my life, actually. It's really good. I'm very thankful for it. Um, you know, this uh, this January was a little bit of a harder January. January is always a little bit of a harder month. Have, has, does anyone else here notice that? Thank you. Anyways, this, this January, half of us had COVID, and then um, our oil tank froze a number of times, and our, our pipes, we only have one uh, shower, and the pipes going out from that were, were clogged. So, you know, it was, it was just a number of things went, went wrong. But honestly, we had a pretty good, calm January. We just said, you know, take a sponge bath, and let's, you know, come on out. We'll cuddle together on, under blankets, play a game of, of Uno. We, we made the best of it. I was pretty calm and peaceful, which is not to be taken for granted. I was like, 
look at that. All of our intentionality and uh, counseling money. I'm like, this is paying off. Anyways, I, I have a coach, and one of his favorite phrases to, is, uh, what are you going to do about it? Yeah, well, what are you going to do about it? It's like, and it's just, and he gets to that point way before I think is appropriate because I have not divulged all the details. I have not told him the 25-minute backstory that would really, you know, illuminate how big my problem is. Just cut straight. What are you going to do about it? But honestly, it's kind of like Jesus. Jesus wasn't interested in the whole backstory of her sin. Jesus just held out. Jesus just dealt with it and brought such healing, such wholeness to her. Um, I really love, I don't uh, know who, who said this, Eugene Peterson maybe. Um, someone asked him, what is Jesus like? And he said, relaxed. Relaxed. I think Jesus in this story, he is. He's intentional. He's clear. He's compelling. He's inviting. He's relaxed. He's not stressed out about her past history. He's not stressed out about what his disciples are going to say because they are going to say something when they come back and find him talking to her. Why? Because spirit and truth. Because he has the love of the spirit and he knows exactly who he is as Jesus Christ. Spirit and truth. And then no one will stick with you longer than Jesus will. Now, it is a good thing I am not God. It is a good thing God is totally different from all of us because we do not have the patience to deal with us. You know, my, uh, my daughter, when she was younger especially, she would love to, like, unlock the, the door. And uh, she'd be like, Mom, Mom, give me the keys. And I'd uh, say, sure, you know. Coming back from grocery shopping, and says, this, I take out my set of keys and, you know, hand her, here it is. She's like, oh, mom, no, 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 shake up the whole thing. I want to find it myself. I mean, listen, it takes 30 seconds, maybe a minute, but it feels like 15. We don't have the patience to be God but Jesus just deals with her with such a loving kindness. Um, I read a while ago a story that's just really stood out and stuck to me um, for, for 20 years now, probably, um, of George Mueller. He did um, orphanages ar around Europe. Great man of prayer. Great man of prayer, 1850, something like that. And um, he had one friend who he prayed for to come to know Jesus for years and decades and decades, Fred, you know, never started following Jesus, never became a Christian. George Muley dies. At his funeral, the man commits his life to Jesus. At his funeral. God has incredible patience with us, and it pays off every time. And then no one will hold out more hope for you than Jesus. Do you see how Jesus, he doesn't, you know, put caveats or, or, or limits on her. He recognizes who she is. He deals with her patiently and, and, and lovingly, but he doesn't say, well, now we're going to start, you know, I know this is going to be, we're going to step you up on just the, the first level. She will go and she will tell her whole village, say, hey, 
I met this man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? Jesus said, mm, I, better send, I better send one of my guys with you to make sure you get the messaging right. He doesn't put limits on her. He doesn't say, well, you know, kind of the best case scenario, given your past history, maybe we could work you up to like a back row church member every Sunday. Like, I have been so blessed by people in my life who saw the best in me when, you know, I'm not sure entirely what they were talking about. My, my much younger self was really, you know, much different. And like people who said that like I could lead a small group, I'm not 100% sure that they were correct. We, we, we got through it. Um, but I've been so blessed by people like that. I was um, at some Vineyard National meetings um, in January, and um, a couple of other pastors, you know, said, like, hey, can I talk to you about your experiences? You know, a woman in ministry, and, you know, I've got a lot of um, women who are her stronger leaders, and what can I do to, you know, raise them up to, to do things? And, um, you know, what was your experience? Was it, you know, really hard? I said, you know, honestly, no, because I've been extremely blessed by people in the church who just said, you love Jesus, you're passionate about, like, come on, who didn't put, put limits on me based on some of my, like, capacities or weaknesses or extreme shyness or, or things like that, who just called me forwards. And that's like Jesus. That's like Jesus. We will see as this story progresses, um, and we don't quite have time to read through the whole rest of it, she goes, she tells the whole rest of, of her community or village, come see everything, that, that see this guy who told me everything that I ever did. The whole village runs out to meet him. The disciples are like, um, what is going on? Jesus ends up staying there for two whole days. Two whole days investing in them, teaching them, being with them, much more than a quick pit stop. Many folks in that town and to believe in Jesus and following Jesus. The barriers that Jesus broke at that well. The way he didn't judge her, just call her forth. Just naming her sin, calling her to more. The patience he showed her in this long conversation. The hope Jesus held out for her produced great results, not just in her own life, but in the rest of her community. This is who Jesus is. This is the love he has. This is spirit and truth. And these are the results it yields in her and in the rest of her community. Worship team, if you guys want to come on up, we're going to move into a time of worship. Truth is found in Jesus Christ. Spirit is found in Jesus Christ. The best gift from the only one who can give it to us. Spirit and truth is found in Jesus Christ. And from that, we have streams of living water that refresh, rehydrate, call us back to life, break down barriers, and have a great effect in our life and in the rest of our community. Let's stand together. And friends, let's pray. Because this isn't a one-time encounter with Jesus. This is something that reverberates and echoes all around us. Jesus, we pray that we would be people who truly have entered into that long conversation with you. 
that place of intimacy with you at the well at our deepest needs. We open our hearts to you this morning. We want to meet you. Jesus, would you meet us? Lord God, we confess our sin to you in this season of Lent. And we confess the ways that we have, uh, we have not been great followers of you. We have not been model children of God. Would you speak that clearly to our hearts? Just say, hey. Hey. Because we know that brings life and freedom when you call out our sin, when you call out our mistakes and failings. It brings life in us. So we open our hearts for you to speak conviction. We open our hearts to you to, to bring us into that place of intimacy. Yes, Jesus. Yes, Jesus. And then, Jesus, we open our lives to you. That our encounter with you, if it's real, if it's real with the real God, will have effects. We will be emboldened and empowered to share your love, your, your truth, to have our lives transformed, to have sin broken, to know you. To know you like we haven't known you before. So come fill our hearts and our lives. Make us barrier breakers like you. Make us loving and patient and kind and true and ever hopeful like you. In Jesus' name, amen.